Well, good evening, Rez. It is nice to be with you. It is nice to be here and to be able to kick off with Pastor Tim this series uh, that we're entitling uh, Married Life, and it's going to be a continuing process here in these next few weeks, and you'll get more information related to it, but I am honored tonight that you asked me to kick it off. And I want you to know I take this responsibility very seriously. I just walked around, probably some of you saw me, I was just praying that God would use my words tonight. I'm going to try to speak uh, in the name and the, and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and under His guidance because I'm going to talk about marriage and it's probably not going to be what you're expecting. He asked me to kick it off, and I said, well, if I'm going to do that, Tim, then I need to talk about the foundation of marriage. Next week, Pastor Duane will be speaking. It will be awesome, and he will cover probably some detailed points. But tonight, I'm going to seek to lay a foundation. And as I walked around, I looked at you. I don't know your stories. I wasn't trying to make them up, but I thought some of you probably here tonight are in a marriage, and you are broken. Others of you came tonight, and you're in a marriage, and it is so stinking good. In fact, you're going to leave here, and then you're going on a double date night, and then you're doing coffee, and you're doing ice cream, and then who knows what you're doing at midnight, but you're just going to be having a great night. <laughs> Others of you um, aren't married. You would love to be, and you've longed for a relationship a long time. I don't know. What scenario you're in. And then there's, of course, however many years are here, you know, times two. And as you're listening, you can take my words and turn them into something I didn't even say. And so I'm praying tonight as I speak that the Lord would guide those words directly into your ear and you would hear what it is He wants you to hear, not what I want you to hear, but what He wants you to hear. So I'm just praying that God would use this message to make a powerful impact for marriage tonight. Those songs, I did not know the songs. I talked with the worship team backstage. We prayed together. We didn't talk through all the specific songs, but my goodness, every one of those songs aligned so perfectly with what I want to share with you tonight. I want to take you back to when you first remember anything about marriage, like when you were thinking about getting married yourself, just this picture in your mind of what marriage would be. We can call this a unity candle stage, and, and we can kind of think about what you thought of when you were going to get there, and, and all the things involved with that, because I can go back, man, I, I thought about marriage very, very young, and the things in my mind were things like, it's going to it's going to be good. And I'm going to find somebody who loves every part of me. And I'm really lovable, so that will be so easy for her. And I won't be lonely anymore. I, have somebody. I won't have to hug a pillow. I'll have a body. And other, there are children in the rooms, other things associated with body. That definitely was in my mind at 21. And, and we do these things called wedding. And, and you know, we do this at the wedding, right? Everybody gets that little thing and, and went, okay, they're coming out. We blow these bubbles. We blow. Let me tell you something about bubbles. You ready? They burst. And a lot of you are sitting here tonight and you're 
idea about marriage for you, yours, um, pastors like me, like me. I'm guilty. I don't do this anymore. I used to say things like, ah, oh, you found your soulmate. I used to say that. By the way, that's not a biblical word. It's a man-made word. And I used it. And those of you who have sat and heard me preach before, and I would say something about, you found your soulmate. You didn't want to say it out loud, but you're sitting in the seat by somebody, and you're going, not me. If this is my soulmate, that was a bad choice. We say things like, I finally found the one. And you get into marriage and you go, I don't know, man. There might be another. And these are the things that are real about marriage. And I want to say to you tonight, if you've had this euphoric picture of marriage that is absolutely wonderful and beautiful nothing wrong with that but just understand in reality let me tell you what marriage is two flawed people learning to love each other and let me tell you where you need to go when you're two flawed people we just sang about it i need the lord and marriage messed me up I'm just going to talk honest with you tonight. I think I was set up for marriage because I grew up with a mom and dad who uh, they stayed together through thick and thin, through things that looking back was wrong, through abuse. My mom stayed with my dad through some crazy abuse. And that was my picture of marriage. That's what I, okay, this is what it is. And I can remember preachers standing up and saying things and me going, that just doesn't seem right. It doesn't jive with what I think marriage should be. And even as I think about the Bible, I'm just a little kid and it just didn't jive. And for some of you here tonight, what you saw growing up, and the image you have of marriage from your childhood, the image you have looking at your parents, the image you have looking at your grandparents, looking at relatives, looking at neighbors, all those images, whether we believe it or not, formulate what we think about marriage. And then we do this thing called comparison. And we look and we say, even tonight, there are some of you that you walked in, you had this thought as you saw somebody, oh, I wish I had a marriage like them. Let me just say you don't really know that house. And tonight I want to take you to a really interesting scripture, one that you would say, I, I don't know what that has to do with marriage. It has a lot to do with marriage. And I've been married 40 years to a lady named Jane who has helped me understand and grow in my relationship with Jesus and understand what marriage is more about. And tonight I want to give testimony to the fact that marriage is awesome and beautiful. And I want to show you how that happens. Because it certainly is to no credit of me. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, and the verse is coming up on the screen, If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, 
The old is gone and the new is here. Let me just tell you, tonight what I'm going to try to do is take some of your old flawed thoughts about marriage and regenerate them through the power of the Holy Spirit of Jesus and let you begin to develop some new thoughts about what marriage should be. So I'm giving you a chance tonight to kind of look at your own life, your own marriage, your own relationship, and kind of wipe it clean and say, you know what, I've done some things here that probably aren't in the best interest of us, so I'm going to push that to the side. Lord, speak to me right where I am right now. With all my flaws, all my history, all the stuff that's happened, speak to me here. If you're here and you've only been married a year, you've only discovered a year worth of flaws in your spouse. If you're here and you've been married 20 years, you've discovered 20 years worth of flaws in your spouse and probably in yourself. I said to Jane not long ago, if you had known all that we would face in life, children, grandchildren, etc., etc., if you'd known all that stuff would happen, I said, on our wedding day, if somebody could have come up and said, hey, show you a little video of the next 40 years. And you watch that thing, I said to her, what would you have thought? Would you have said I do to me? And she said, yeah, I would have, but I'd have thought a little more. <laughs> Dead on. Anybody in, in here who is married and been married for a while, you totally get that statement. So a couple of foundational principles I want you to get as you go into this married life uh, series. It's, it's very basic and it's very simple. Sit around that verse and everything we just sang. The first principle I want you to get, it's really simple. I'm telling you guys, this is some of the simplest teaching I can give you. But if you get it, I want to just tell you, if you get this concept tonight, it is life-changing. You say, how do you know? Because I got it. About a year and a half ago, 38 and a half years into my marriage, I got it. I got this. And it's changing my home. I just spent a week in Florida with Jane. I spoke at a conference in Orlando. I'll mention it in a minute. And then we had some time together down in Florida together. And she said to me on one of the flights there, I want you to know you are a new man to me. You have let so much things happen in your life to change and become more like Christ and more what I need in this relationship. Thank you. And I was like, thank you for saying it. Because it hasn't been easy. The old Dan, the old, had to be pushed away so that the new creation that Christ wants could come. And it started with number one, coming up on the screen, main point. you got to understand, obviously God must be top priority, and here's the first point. you got to understand how much God loves you. You say, that's it, that's it. So far, 21 years of my life, without even seeing it about myself, I fought like crazy to get my dad to love me. I performed. I tried to get the best grades I could. I tried to do things so that he would look and go, I approve. And I could never get it. Wore myself out 
trying to get approval, trying to be okay, just longing for somebody to say, I love you for who you are. I wanted to hear those words so bad. And no matter how good I performed, no matter how wonderful I did, it just didn't come out of his mouth. And I felt empty. I felt hopeless. Oh, oh, I believed in Jesus. Oh, I, I sang in a music group and traveled around the country. <laughs> For those of you who heard me sing, that's hard to believe. But I did that. Did all that stuff. All performance-based. All in front of people so that I could get, good job, good job. Oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. I want to just say this about us church people. We're really good at performance. Because we've learned to be. And then, I meet this woman named Jane. And some of you have heard the story. I won't tell the story because kids are here and it's not appropriate. But I met her. And it was good. And I remember thinking, now, finally, someone who will really get me. Someone who will always think I'm wonderful. All the stuff that I associated with my father, see, I just, I moved it over. Oh, I got a new person now that will do this for me. Can you see what I'm doing in that process? I'm putting a responsibility on my wife that is literally something she is unable, no matter if she is perfect, to fulfill. Because I'm trying to fill with my father and then with my wife a God hole. Only God can love you for who you are to the core. Somebody in here tonight is looking so hard for love from your spouse. And they aren't quite, they, they're really close. They're, they're so close. You're close. You're almost there. Keep loving me. You've almost done it. But even as they keep trying, you just keep moving that bar. They'll never get there. And I am telling you. I put that on Jane. I wasn't trying to. I didn't mean to. I didn't want to. I didn't even know I was doing it. But I can tell you tonight, there are, I'll start with women. There are women in this room. You don't feel totally loved because you cannot get your husband to fully understand your needs. And I say to you, you're right. Flawed plus flawed equals flaw. Some of you men in here tonight, you're unsatisfied. Some of you say it. Some of you hide it. Some of you run to other sources for it. Because that thing inside us, that spot in us that wants to be loved and cared for is so huge 
and we search our whole world over looking for the one tonight. It's Wednesday night. There are people out at the bars right now like crazy. They walked in there hoping and praying they would see the one. That would do what? Fill that hole. And sometimes when they don't see them there, they just, give me another one, bartender. Because you've got to fill that hole. And we've done this to our spouse, to a person we're in relationship with that we aren't married to yet. And we're constantly looking for fulfillment. You say, Dan, how do you know this so clearly? Because I did it. I am a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I look for something in Jane that she could not feel. And I made her feel, without realizing it, inadequate. No one can fill this hole but God. And once you understand that, it changes your view of marriage. I spoke at this conference in Orlando 6,000 counselors from all across the country came to this little conference and I had the privilege of speaking in one of the seminars and at the end of one of my talks we gave time for people to stand up and share what they would like to say and, and have prayer with them and it was a pretty sweet time that the Lord allowed us to have. And then the very la there was a lady sitting on the very back row and one of the lights, like one of the lights coming down, just, just hit her so that when I said anyone else, there were several people raised their hands, but I saw her in the very back raise her hand, and I went, ma'am, you're in the back. You're going to be the last one to share. So I let a few people share. I said, okay, stand up, tell me your name, what you want prayed for. And she stood up, and she said, I don't do this. I talked with her for quite a while after. She was a very, um, very much a lady who would not want the spotlight. And she said, I just need to say this. I said, yes, ma'am, what is it? She said, I have been married 44 years. And my husband and I were in a loveless relationship. He's a counselor, helps lots of people but he can't help me. I said to her, ma'am, you can stop right there. When we're done, I'll meet with you right up front. We'll chat. And I did that along with another professional counselor. We met with her up front, and she said, he just doesn't get me. I keep telling him, this is what I need from you. He just can't do it. I'm helpless, and I'm hopeless. And I said to her, ma'am, all I can say to you is you're looking for your husband to fill a hole that only God can fill. And I said to her, as long as you look to him to try to fill that hole, you will live a life that is somewhat empty and unfulfilled. I said, the day that you turn and go, I don't need anything but Jesus. All these other things in my life, all these needs I want met, even sexual things, even emotional things. If I can see that I need Christ and He is enough, I'm going to tell all y'all in the room, if you get this, 
If you get this, it is life-changing. Jesus says, I love you for who you are, how I made you, and I got you right now. You don't need anything but me. I'm telling y'all, because I can hear the screams. I can hear you going, but what about this area and that area? Got it. But first start with this. You need nothing but Jesus to be okay in this world. It's a really bold statement. But I'm going to tell you, Dan Seaborn standing in front of you finally got this. Oh, my goodness. So, Lord, if that sexual fulfillment area thing that I'd really like to have doesn't happen, I'm going to be okay? You're going to be okay. In eternity, you will look back and go, my, that was pretty small. And tonight, there are some of you fighting so hard for something that I say to you, you just need to go, I got to stop this. I am worn out. You're looking at a dude who fought for it for 38 and a half years. And the whole time without realizing it, what I did to Jane was make her feel, as I said, inadequate. And now that I've said to her, babe, I don't know what it is, but Jesus is all I need. I'm going to take the pressure off you. I'm not asking you for anything. I'm not going to put that on you, etc. I'm going to find my total fulfillment in the Lord. It is crazy how much more willing she is to want to help me. Should have done this 38 and a half plus two and a half years ago. Because if we truly believe, we just sang all the songs. Caught up in this moment. But when I get home, I'm not in the moment anymore. I'm telling you, take that moment home. Like the next time your spouse is not fulfilling your need. I'm caught up in this moment. Start singing it. Jesus, I don't need nothing but you. And when that happens, it takes a lot of pressure off of you. You say, Dan, this would require a lot of surrender. Exactly. Dan, this means there might be things in your life that you'll die without. Correct. I sat with a young lady. All she ever wanted, I was her youth pastor for years and years. She came to me when she was probably 17. Pastor Dan, when I'm older, will you do my wedding? I said, Holly, absolutely. Loved that kid. Loved her to death. When she was in her 20s, she got a debilitating disease that slowly took her life. And I remember sitting to her one of the last times I was with Holly. She looked at me and said, all those things I chased in the world. Remember, Pastor Dan, I asked you to do my wedding? I said, I do. She said, never got married, never found the guy that wanted me. And she said, I'm so past that. I'm looking at eternity now, and the things of this world, they're strangely dim. And I'm just telling all of us in the room, when you get the things of this world in the strangely dim view, the things that are important, that are eternal, that are lifelong, get in their proper focus. 
My time's about done. I have several points, but I want to show you a practical thing that happened in my home when I did this. When I understood how much God loved me and I took the pressure off of it, things changed in my home, and I'm going to illustrate it, what it looked like. So after Jane said to me one day, Dan, been married 38 and a half years. I travel around the world and preach about marriage. I thought I had it figured out. And my wife is saying to me, Dan, I just, I just want to finish my life with you peaceful. I said, what do you mean? She said, you're you creating so much unrest in me. You're just, you're just always unsatisfied. You're always needing something. You're always, always, always. And I remember I didn't even talk to her about it. She said that to me a couple of times as we were dealing with something. And I remember going, oh, my word. If I died today. And they roll my casket up front or urn. They'll probably go with the urn that's cheaper. If they roll that sucker up there and sit it in the front. <laughs> How you doing, Jez? I said, people are going to walk by and go, oh, that was Dan Seaborn. I love to hear him preach. I love and I said, oh, my goodness. My own wife will, will look in that casket and go, man, I wish he would have given me peace. It hit me. I was like, holy crap. I got a chainsaw. So I was like, Lord, what's this going to look like? Well, Dan, you got to find all your fulfillment in me first because you're putting too much pressure on her. And I was like, oh, my word. So I decided something. I decided I was going to start listening to her heart. Not talking. You guys realize I talk a lot. I'm going to listen. And I would say to her, when we would disagree on something, I'd say to her, this is what started happening. I said, Jane, I don't get that. I don't, I don't even know how you could be thinking that. So here's what we're going to do. And this is what I did. I'd get three chairs. We'd have a chair in the living room, a couple of them there, whatever. And I'd grab another chair. And I'd sit it out. And I'd say to her, we're going to talk now. And... Um, what we're going to do is I'm going to sit here. She's sitting there, okay? I said, I'm going to sit here. You sit over there, and we're going to imagine Jesus sitting here. We really did this. Because I said to her, I haven't been hearing you or something because you say you don't have peace, and I'm not going to let you die without peace. When you look in my casket, when I die, you're going to look in there and go, that sucker pulled it off. And I said to her, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell me what it is you're thinking because I don't get it. I don't understand it. And I, need to, I just need to listen to you. Now, I want to show you something. When you put Jesus here, okay, your tone changes. Your facial, you don't sit there and go, it's ridiculous in the way he says that. You don't do that because you can just feel Jesus tapping you like, my bad, my bad, sorry. Where'd you get those sandals? I mean, you know, it's, it's, it just changes. Just changes. So I would sit and listen to her and smile. She'd even look at me. Why are you smiling? I'm like, I just got a different attitude about it. Tell me. Tell me how it is that you have the kind of thoughts you have about this particular, whatever it is we're disagreeing about or talking about. Explain to me how it is you have that thought because I just don't get it. And then she would start her. Well, 
She laid it all out. And the whole time, see, used to, before I did that, used to, the whole time she's talking, I'm going, well, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's three. I got three strikes already. I'll share them with you in a minute. Go ahead and finish. Because this is what we do. When our spouse is talking, we are usually prepping for the rebuttal. And I removed all that. There was no rebuttal going to come out of my mouth. I was going to hear her for the first time. 38 and a half years in, I finally listened. And I would just sit there, and I'm going to tell you what happened eight out of ten times. Eight out of ten, this is still what's happening. She finishes, and I go, that is good. Like she'll be, are you making fun of me? No. That is really good. I would have never thought about that that way. And that makes a lot of sense. My brain doesn't process it that way. But when I hear your point, shoot. I agree with you. Let's do it that way. Eight out of ten times. And she'll even say to me, well, what, what, well, what were you thinking? And I, eight out of ten times I go, I don't know, but it doesn't even matter. I'm just going to tell you, that is not the old Dan. That's a new creation. This is painful. Because there are times that I want to go, that's not right. But I listen. And I hear the Holy Spirit of Jesus saying, just chill. Give her peace. And tonight, I will tell you this happened because whether or not she agrees with everything I think or say, I am good because I'm God's boy. <laughs> Change everything. I'm sitting over here good before we even started. I have his approval. If I get hers, sweet. If I got his, all good. When I get to the pearly gate, it won't be whoever saying, Dan, did you do good with Jane? It's going to be, Dan, did you give the authority of your life to Jesus? If you can check that box, you're probably in good shape. Foundational. Because some of you tonight, if you're really honest, you have spent your whole life so far in your marriage trying to. Well, I'll tell you this about you. <laughs> I don't want to be near you tonight. <laughs> Things you can't even see about you. You got that from your mama. Like that's going to be like, thank you. You know, it's not going to happen. But that smart mouth, that smart mouth goes away when the one who made you sits with you. And let me remind you tonight, he is sitting with you. This is not makeup. This is biblical. The Holy Spirit's with you tonight. Jesus is here. He said, I left myself with you. And John left the paracletos, the Holy Spirit. Right, it's right there in your house. Problem is we don't activate it. And I'm calling you tonight to a foundational teaching that says, Jesus, come be a part of our conversation.
go with us. I had an 81-year-old pastor say to me today, Dan, how you doing? I said, I'm doing this, this. He said, who, who are you doing it? I said, I'm doing it for Jesus. I go preach for Jesus. And he said, you know, I'd like to see you change that. I'd like to see you say, I go preach with Jesus. Not for him, go with him. <laughs> Great thought. The Bible says that Moses was with God. That Jesus asked his disciples to go with him. Not for him, go with me. Tonight, I invite you and your spouse, you and the relationship you're moving into, maybe in a dating relationship, wherever you're at, you and that one in life that you're connected to now, go with Jesus. It will make a difference. So, Lord God, tonight, man, I've just tried to pour my heart into this and talk about real-life marriage. I pray that couples would connect the dots and would go home to find a growing, deeper relationship in Jesus Christ. I pray you would protect them. I pray there would be open eyes, open ears, open conversations to listen, maybe for the first time, to what a spouse has to say. Burst some false bubbles we have about our own relationships and let us fully honor you and I ask this in Jesus' powerful name. And we all said, amen. Thank you for listening.